the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favor one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the same, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics, where the conversation always gives you a foundation that is built on biblical principles, so you can intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, and the reality we live in and history. Covers topics like apologetics worldviews, contemporary culture, and the Word of God to help you articulate a defense for how to live your Christian life. See how you can get involved and support Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics by visiting ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com. That's ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com. Now here's your host, Stacy. Don't you know? Everyone, thank you for tuning in this morning. Um, you might be driving home from a late night event, but thank you for joining us. Today's guest is Calvary Chapel Santee youth pastor, Chris DeFore. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. What we do on Passion for Christ, we interview pastors, ministry leaders here in Southern California and beyond. And so I'm so excited to have you here today. And I would like to talk a little bit about your testimony and how you came to the Lord. Yeah, I was privileged and blessed to be raised in a Christian home. In fact, my parents 
were both uh, a direct result of the Jesus movement in the 70s in uh, Southern California, up in San Clemente. And uh, so they got saved in high school together and got married. Uh, and I was born into that family, really blessed to be raised in church and hear the Bible. But I didn't really understand the gospel until I was about 13. And I was invited to go to a summer camp with my cousin. And actually, the summer camp was uh, a houseboat trip in Lake Mead. And I, I remember it was a really unique thing. I don't even know if they do that anymore, but it was, uh, you know, 200 kids on different houseboats and uh, hanging out in Lake Mead, jumping off rocks into water and having a good time, but uh, also listening to some good worship and teaching. And I remember hearing the gospel for the first time on, on the last day of that trip on the beach. And uh, they led right into a baptism, and I just went right forward and got baptized, knowing that this was something now that was my own. And I realized the truth of Jesus, how much he loved me, and that he died for me, and that I needed to uh, surrender my life to him, and that he would come and guide me and fill me with his spirit, and I would uh, be able to be rejuvenated, reborn uh, as a believer. So that was the day I got saved. I actually wish I remember what date it was. It was sometime in the summer of you know 1995 or something, but I don't remember the exact day. Wish I had that uh, that uh, anniversary date, but yeah, I got saved. So thirteen, so um, going into high school, and uh, started going to youth groups and getting more involved in there. Um, honestly, high school was kind of a blur. Did some, did okay. You know, I, I look back and can see God was uh, protecting me from a lot of things, but I was pretty stupid in high school, anyways. Uh, you know, I kind of fought him on that, and uh, it was it was kind of you know back and forth relationship, kind of learning what what it's about. Uh, went to college, and I went to Point Loma Nazarene University, which because I wanted to learn graphic design, so I went for graphic design communication major at Point Loma, uh, and wanted to go to a Christian college that had that degree, um, which was awesome because that's where I met my wife, so that was a good thing. Uh, and then graduated there and went right into the advertising world. So I got a job at a, a design studio, and then worked my way up to an advertising agency here in downtown San Diego. And that was my path. That was what I was focused on. Um, at that point in my life, I kind of Jesus was a secondary thing. He was kind of in my rearview mirror. I believe, never doubted, never stopped believing, but just didn't really have a very strong or committed relationship. So it was kind of a two-part. I got saved when I was 13, but I really didn't take it seriously until later. So um, I'm working in advertising, have our first child, uh, got married, obviously, had our first child and um, realized that uh, I was really getting sucked into the world. Working in advertising in a secular environment, I was really sucked in. I mean, they had beer cart Fridays in the office and, you know, it's, it was just a lot of very worldly um, environment and uh, there was a struggle going on. Uh, you know, my the Holy Spirit was convicting me. I wasn't, me and my new wife weren't doing well. I was not seeing my child very much who was just born. I was barely, I was working so much. Uh, work was taking over. At the same time, we started attending Calvary Chapel Santee about the same time. We were looking for a church. Um, we weren't going very often, but we were going, and uh, God started working on me and really convicting me of, of is this what I really want? Do I really want to be fully invested in the career that I had given or worked for and given myself, or do I want to follow him? And it came to a head, and I remember this very specifically, um, one particular evening where I was really having a hard time struggling with having that career and trying to be a Christian, you know, um, and I, and I remember praying to the Lord, hey, Lord, listen, here's the deal. I earned this degree. I got this job. It's paying the bills, it's supporting my family. It's not a, how's that a bad thing? But if you don't want me to do it for some reason, because I feel like you're, you know, there's a struggle been going on for years. If you don't want me to do this, then you have to make me hate this job because this is like the career I've chosen and worked for and I love it. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to leave it. And I don't know what I would do if I didn't. 
So I, I literally prayed that one night. I think it was a Sunday night, and I said, Lord, if you don't want me to continue in this career, you got to make me really hate it because I love this career, right? So the next morning, less than 24 hours later, my creative director walks in our office and he says, hey, we're, we're doing some new adjustments, and we're going to move you to the production department, which was my least favorite aspect of the job. Like of all the things we did, the production part of my job was my least favorite thing to do, and they were telling me they were going to move me to the production department. And right then I knew that was the answer because I literally had prayed, Lord, make me not want this job and this career, and he did the next day. And so I just looked at him and I said, well, I have to quit. <laughs> And he was like, well, maybe we could talk about it and do other things and you wouldn't lose pay. You know, he's trying to, and I'm like, no, you just answered a question that I've had for a long time. And um, he didn't understand it. It was, it was actually one of the biggest ad agencies in San Diego. So it's a job that a lot of people would want. And he's like, why would you give this job up? You know, that's crazy. You're being crazy. And that's just like, I, I just knew it was, it was the clearest moment. I, I felt the Lord tell me like, you need, if you want to choose to live, follow me or do you want to choose to follow this career? So you quit a job. A career. A it was. Career. I mean, I had a degree and yeah. everything, and I'd worked and for years. Yeah. You didn't know what was going to happen, how you were going to feed your family, and you had a little one at home? I had a, had a seven-month-old oh. and a wife and a condo we just bought. Talk about walk by faith. Uh, well, and you know, it was one of those things where I think if I had thought too much about it beforehand, and I would have really struggled and wrestled with it. But in that moment, after I had prayed that night before, it was just as clear as day. Like, look, at the end of the day, do you want to follow me or do you want to follow this career? That's all. It was It was just a black and white decision. It didn't, in the moment, didn't even think about, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to feed my family? It was, do you want to follow me or do you not want to follow me? So, you know, my testimony is kind of two parts. You know, I, I originally got saved when I was young, 13, but it didn't really like kick into like full effect, I think, as far as me surrendering everything until that that moment when uh, I decided to give up the career and follow him and just trusted him completely. Just, I don't know how I'm going to do this or what's going to happen, but all right, I trust you. Wow. That, that is pretty amazing. So you leave the job. What happens after So that? I go home and my wife's like, you did what? <laughs> She's like, are Good you question, kidding? Wife. Did you even think to call me? Like what? And I, and I, so I explained to her what happened and how I just knew it didn't matter if I called her, told her I was going to do it. It was what God called me to do. And she, you know, she's awesome. She said, okay, well, I trust you and I trust God. So I'll stick by you. Um, and ultimately we weren't getting along great anyways. We were having struggles because we were young, newly married and I was working 60 hours a week and not seeing them. So it was ultimately, I think she also knew that it was going to be healthier for us, even if we didn't know how we we're going to put food on the table. Um, but the craziest thing is I literally get a call like a couple days later. And it's from a creative uh, advertising, uh, the, one of the writers that used to work in the agency with me. And she had retired uh, a year before, but we'd worked together before that, like really, really closely on some campaigns. And so she had retired, but she had started her own firm with a friend, like a smaller firm with just four or five people and kept that going um, and had a couple really big clients. And so she called me and said, hey, we're looking for graphic designers. I heard that you left the agency. Do you want to work for me? And I said, well, yeah, I need work. <laughs> so I ended up, what, I, what happened is I ended up being able to work from home and watch my son and, oh, and hang, be with my wife. And then she, she was working as a school psychologist in Poway. So she was pretty busy. Um, but I was able to stay at home and not have to hire a daycare provider, be with my son and work from home and do a bunch of great work for this uh, old um, uh, um, ad, uh, ad exec that I had worked with. And so... She gave me a bunch of great jobs, and I ended up, the craziest part about this story is I ended up, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, making more with her from home than I did at the agency wow. before. 
So God actually provided yeah. above and beyond. And I did not know any of that. I didn't expect that. I wasn't, I was prepared to go hustle and get some work and just, you know, drum it up uh, and find clients. But she, she just called me up that week and uh, got a bunch of great work to do with her. And so that ended up being a huge blessing. And the other really neat blessing is that, and I didn't see this at the time, but at the same time that I quit the agency, I had started becoming friends with the youth pastor at our church in Calvary Santee. Okay. Um, they were another couple that were the same age as us, and so we became close. Um, and that same year that I quit the agency, he asked if I would help him plan a winter retreat. Uh, he said, oh, I'm not good at planning retreats and stuff, and you seem like you'd be good at that. And my, my parents have a, a business in the mountains that we could use for the retreat. So I ended up working with him and the youth that same year. And because I had stepped away from advertising, it gave me time to actually do it. And then next thing you know, two years later, uh, he moved, and the the pastor at the time looked at me and said, hey, I guess you're the youth pastor. <laughs> what a so, huge blessing. Yeah. And you, um, my daughter, who is now 25 years old, she um, she was in the youth group a few times. Mm-hmm. She yeah. went to um, yeah. trips with you. And then uh, my all my all a couple of my grandchildren, yeah. three of my grandchildren three of are in your youth group. And how amazing is that? So now you're the youth pastor. Yeah. How long have you been the youth pastor? Yeah, so um, I became the youth pastor in January 2010. So, so th- about 13, 13 years. years. Yeah, I started helping yeah. out a couple years before that. So I think I've been doing working with youth for about 15 yeah. because um, actually my son was, uh, yeah, he's 15, almost 16 now, and he was like uh, not even one when we started. So wow. yeah, it's been about 15 years total. And then I became officially the youth pastor, volunteer youth pastor, in 2010 and so i was working from home doing graphic design and then doing the youth uh uh volunteer wise uh at church for a couple years one thing i love what you do chris in the youth group is you take the students the youth on um, mission trips Mm, how amazing is that and we see a lot of churches that are nervous to even do it with the adults Mm, and mm -hmm. you're taking these students out to mission trips in Mexico. They even went to Israel and you did a youth event there. And you can, how many more? What yeah, we've, uh, we've done Honduras. We've done, yeah, Mexico. We did England. Um, yeah, we've, and we just went to Israel recently. Yeah, mission trips are one of the most amazing things that youth can do. Uh, every single mission trip has produced so much faith and fruit in the kids that when they come home, they're different. They're changed. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit, you know, um, scary at first for, for parents and kids. And I have three kids. And so I get, it's a little scary to send your kids off to a foreign country with some guy. It's the youth pastor. You don't really know that well or whatever. Or even if you do, it's still a little nerve wracking. Um, but it is amazing. It's a step of faith. You Mm -hmm. have to trust the Lord. Obviously we do our diligence in planning and prepping and uh, praying and all that for every trip. So, um, and we didn't, wouldn't go if we didn't feel like God was calling us to go. So yeah. um, there's a lot of trust and faith in him on that. And then the kids have to step out and, and decide that, yeah, that's what they want to do. And it's been amazing. Yeah, we actually, um, one thing we did years ago was instead of having a traditional summer camp, um, we did what we call surf and serve, where we went to Mexico and we stayed at the Bible college and we would do kind of a hybrid. It's like we would do some sessions and we would do some games and activities like summer camp, but then we would do the middle of the day, we would do work projects or we would go to the orphanage and feed lunch to the kids and do outreach during the middle of the day 
um, you know, all kinds of different things. And, uh, but we'd mix it. And then at night we'd have a session back at the college and we'd go to the beach one day. And so we'd do a mix of it's half summer camp, half mission trip. And those were amazing. Kids came back from those saying, Oh, this is the best summer camp I've ever been to. And we had them digging ditches, you know, it's like, <laughs> and, and, and cooking food and, and, you know, serving people. And, and, and the thing is they realized their faith, their walk is so much more than just words. It's so much more than just Oh, I'm a Christian because my parents are, or I'm a Christian because I went to church. It's they they step out, they feed a kid a lunch and get to know him and hang out with him and realize that they're loving on him like Jesus does uh, to us. And then they're you know doing work projects and fixing up things for people. And you know there's a home that's in disrepair that we go and we help them build their stairs so they can get into their home. You know because they don't have the resources. And and at the end of the day, they they go home and they see all they have. They see their Xbox and their TV and they're now suddenly they're way more appreciative of all that. And they realize, hey, faith is more than just um, a belief. It's me stepping out and loving people uh, as much as I can, like Jesus did. And that that's a totally different thing on a mission trip that you really can't get from a lot of the traditional youth events. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I want to dig a little deeper into this. And so God prompt you, your, the, our church put this on their mind for the youth to do these mission trips. What was the process? Because like I said, a lot of churches do not do this. The, the leadership is not interested, nor are the parents interested in sending them. Or there are some that are interested, the parents, but they don't know where to get involved in a church that does this. So how did God prompt you and what was the process to do this? I think, I don't know exactly how God prompted me. I just know that he presented the opportunities and I, I said, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I've always been a more adventurous person. Um, I used to do extreme skiing and stuff like that and all kinds of crazy things. And I just, I'm a, by nature, I'm like, let's go out and do things. I don't like to sit and just think about what to do. I, I want to do them. And so I think God used that character in me. Um, Maybe that's a gift. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. he used it for sure to to um, to have a more adventurous spirit in looking for those opportunities. Also, um, our pastor is a very uh, supportive of that kind of thing. Uh, he actually was a missions pastor for years, and and he understands the importance of missions and of youth. Um, so that was good to have his um, support, encouragement. Um, but a lot of the opportunities came organically. God brought them, open doors. You know, Mexico was actually not the surf and serve mission trip camp wasn't actually my idea. It was actually we did it with Calvary Big Bear. They did that um, kind of thing years ago. And then the, the pastor from there and I got together and we did it was originally in like I think in, in uh, Newport Beach. They would go to the camp on the beach mm-hmm. and do outreach on the beach and do camp. Yeah. But then that got expensive and kind of hard to do. And we decided, well, let's look around and look for opportunities. And uh, we found opportunity to go stay in Mexico for literally half the price of what we would do in Newport and to actually do more work and more outreach. And so we started doing that and just worked on it with other youth pastors that were passionate about it as well. But yes, it is. There are many churches that I invite that say no. There are many youth pastors that I talk to about it that say they would never or couldn't do it or just would like to but can't or or, and there's also every year there's families, um, there's youth who want to go, their, their parents won't let them. Or there's, I've, you know, there's one student in particular. I remember uh, years ago, he was really nervous. And I was like, we should, you know, just come with us. You'll love it. God will bless you. It'll be great. Oh, I don't know. It's scary. I'm scary. I'm scared, right? He didn't go. We come home and I tell, we, we're sharing about all the stories. And he's like, oh, I should have gone. Like, it's so great. The next year, same thing. Hey, you're going to go? Oh, I don't know if I can. I'm just, I'm really nervous. I don't really want to go. I don't know. Well, you sh- and I encouraged him, encouraged him, didn't go. And we came back again and shared stories. Oh, I should have gone. And it's, and, and there's, there's just, there is a, a fear, um, unfortunately, that every, everyone has, but Christians still have about taking steps of faith like that. 
Um, and it's never the idea to do something recklessly. Um, that's not faith. But when there's opportunities, what I found in my walk is if there's an opportunity that you kind of pretty much know is the Lord, like, okay, going to serve orphans in Mexico, at, yeah, why? It, that's the Lord using you and your resources to bless others. I've learned just to say yes yeah. every time, as much as I can. Um, we even did summer camp. We didn't do Mexico that, that year, but in 2020 during COVID, I didn't let it stop us. I'm actually the only youth pastor I know of. I mean, maybe there's more that actually did a summer camp in 2020. Wow. And what we did is that we called one of the camps, you know, and the poor camps are struggling when everything mm-hmm. was shut down. And I said, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to stop. Like, let's pursue this. What can we do? Can we make it work? And then they're like, they're like, oh yeah, let's do something. Let's figure it out. Okay. So we'll do our meals outside and we'll serve you and we'll make sure to, you know, have distance for us to serve you food. Um, you will have to meet outside in the amphitheater instead of inside the sanctuary, which was beautiful anyways. Um, and they had, you know, different rules. Like, okay, when you're with your group, you don't have to worry about masks, but when you're with the staff, you'll have to wear masks. You know, they had different things that California was telling them they could and couldn't do. You can't do the zip line, but you can do this thing. You can't do the swimming pool, but you can do it. So there were certain things we didn't get to do that year, but you know what? It ended up being one of the best summer camps we ever had because these kids who were in lockdown kicked out of school and, you know, no social really interactions for whatever those months were, you know, back in 2020, they got to come to a camp and do, uh, you know, walk out their faith and, and interact with each other and listen to worship and listen to studies. And we did the whole camp thing in 2020 when I don't think any other camps really did that. And, and the reason is I just never said no. Right. I'm like, well, let's, let's look at it. Let's yeah. let God open the doors. Hey, we'll knock on this door. And if it doesn't work, we'll knock on this next door. And um, I think there, I've learned, at least personally, unless you get, a, you know, there's, there's times when you know God closes a door. That's pretty obvious. But unless he's doing that, you push forward with your faith yeah. in what you believe he's leading you to do. And 99% of the time, it's exactly what he's leading you to do. And he opens it and makes it amazing. And those are always so much better experiences than just the traditional, we do this event every year and we do yeah. it, you know. And there's nothing wrong with those. We do those too. We do things that we do every year that are just standard youth group stuff. Yeah. And those are great. But the good ones are the ones where you had to push forward a little bit and God opened the doors and he made it happen. Yeah. And he did something cool and he did something when no one else would. And he did something when you didn't think it was possible. And he showed the kids what their faith is like when they had no idea what they were doing. Those are the ones that are worth gold and yeah. they really test your faith. And so I've just learned to always say yes. Mm-hmm. So opportunities have come for mission trips and we just say yes. I love it. I think our first one was the England one in, like back in 2012. And uh, that was, I, I, I had to admit, I got a little scared taking 12 kids across <laughs> the seas to a country I've never been to. But I just said yes and trusted God. And it was an amazing trip. Oh, I love it. Faith yeah. over fear, right? Yes. We, we as Christians, we think we have more authority on our lives than we really do. And we know God is in control of our lives yes. and he's in control. If you're listening and you say, man, I, w- I have a great ministry. Uh, I have a great church and I would like to be interviewed. You can reach me at 858-795-4585. And right now I'm talking with youth pastor, Chris DeFore from Calvary Chapel Santee. I want to touch real quickly on being a teenager walking with Christ. And I love the verse that says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in word, in contact, in, in love and in spirit and in faith and in purity. Now, did you, I'm sure as a youth pastor, you're dealing with these culture issues, um, drugs, and did you go through a time where, how did you juggle that as a youth being a Christian and push through that? 
Um, me personally dealing with uh, cultural issues. Well, I mean, I grew up in the '90s. It wasn't nearly as bad. You know, <laughs> I feel bad for kids today. Uh, no, of course, all those temptations were. I, I got saved at 13. And I really do yeah. feel like the Holy Spirit had a head of protection around That's me. Um, you know, I got close to doing stupid things. But I really never pushed it as far as like uh, cultural things. I always, I, and maybe this is the Lord, uh, but I've always kind of seen the lies behind culture and kind of recognized, okay, that's that's not true, or oh, this is not the way to really have fun. Like I, yeah, that's I, I never really bought into all that um, worldly stuff bringing me, um, you know, peace or or, uh, or bringing me satisfaction. I kind of uh, realized that wasn't true, even if I wasn't really walking really close with the Lord. I kind of knew that that stuff of the world wasn't going to be for me and it doesn't provide me anything. So I got through, I don't know, maybe that's just my personality. So you were a teen that every mother wanted. Yeah, I guess. I, don't, I wasn't that great. Trust me, I did some really, I did a lot of stupid things with my car and that was my, my, my problem. I had my own issues. It was just weren't drugs and, and culture. It was my car going too fast and doing stupid things with that. So as we wrap things up, you have an event every year mm, yes. and it's coming up February. It's called Truth Quest. Yes. Can you share some of those topics that mm. you? Yeah, Truth address. Quest has been great. This is going to be our fourth Truth Quest. Um, so it's a conference. It's a two-day conference. It's afternoon to a whole day the next day, and and we try to hit some huge topics of the culture. and And our goal is to cut through all the junk and stuff and just get right to the point. What's true? What's not? So we do. We start off talking about objective versus subjective truth and the difference between the two because that's very important for you to understand that. You know, I think, you know, Rocky Road is the best ice cream is just objective. It's not or subjective. It's not an objective truth. It doesn't actually true. It's just my opinion. And what that means when you apply it to other things that are more important in life. And so that's really important. And then we get into topics. So we've done workshops and and sessions on abortion. We've done them on identity. We've done them on sexuality. We've done them on um, the Bible itself, on, on, on life, on death, on you know, a bunch of different topics. We usually do like about six main sessions and about eight workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, you touch on culture issues yes. such as um, gender identity, yeah. um, homosexuality, and um, you have a website for the Truth yes. Quest. Where yes. do they go? Truthquestconference.com. Uh, go, to, go to there. And uh, the next event is going to be February 18 and 19, the mm-hmm. President's Day weekend. So it's going to be a free conference to sign up for. The registration is not live yet, but you can go there, truthquestconference.com, and you can see all the info. You can see last year's what, videos. What age group? It's junior high to high school. Wonderful. Yeah. And I've went a couple years, and their speakers are amazing. So please go to truthquestconference.com. Conference.com. Thank you for joining us with Throughout All Ages Ministry, and we'll see you next time. This has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. You can learn more about your host, Stacy Gaona, and how to support and get involved with 1530 Apologetics by visiting ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com. That's ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com. Join Stacy again next week. Look for Stacy on any podcast platform under Throughout All Ages. Please subscribe and leave a review. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.